0: This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast.
1: Welcome to Space Waffles. I'm Arzu. I'm Maggie. I'm Hope. And we are here today to talk about what I consider to be the finale of the Higher Public Phase One, even though it is technically not quite the end, but it feels like the grand finale of the Higher Public Phase One, at least to me Midnight Horizon. We're very, very excited to talk about this. I know we've all got some strong feelings about this one. And we're just we're ready to dive into it. So to kick things off, I started with a strong statement of me feeling like this was the grand finale of the phase. And I wondered, first of all, what your thoughts on the book were, generally speaking, and then we'll dive into it.
2: But also, do you agree with that assessment that this feels like the grand finale? It's hard to tell because I keep saying that Eye of the Storm is the finale. Um, mm. and, and that... and. I, I kind of felt like that with, way with Fallen Star and then once I read this I was like oh no like Fallen Star is not the grand finale it's all one big finale um, and, and something I was thinking is about how is how much I would love to see this book supercut with Fallen Star because they really feel like two sides of the same story and I would just love a super cut because all the gripes I had with Fallen Star this fixed and they feel like they need to be read together to be a complete story
0: yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. I definitely enjoyed this one far more than I enjoyed Fallen Star. And especially mm-hmm. with some distance from Fallen Star, I found that I actually like it a little bit less than I did initially. And this definitely was what I was looking for. And I wish this had actually been the book that kicked off uh, this this final phase of this This phase of this phase, I don't know. I've lost (laughs) track, the wave, the phase, whatever it is. Uh, just because I felt like this had the emotional weight that I was really looking for, it very much tonally matched what I enjoyed with the rising storm. Very focused on the characters and relationships and like really building them just to really break your heart. Uh, and I I really appreciated that. And I just think Daniel does such a great job with that.
2: I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, I if we went into this book first and found out that Starlight Beacon was falling and then went into falling star? Yeah, because it's left, like, who's then left on, yeah, you're right about that. I didn't think about that. Especially since there's characters in this, sorry. No,
0: no go ahead. Especially, especially since there's characters in this one that you know are stuck on the beacon and there's that kind of interconnectivity between it as we're leading up to, you know, it, it really yeah. impacts the reader and gives a different sense of foreboding voting that i think that isn't necessarily there with fallen
2: star and and that actually was something that i that this book really fixed for me because i i left fallen star saying like feeling like yeah starlight beacon it's sad that it's gone but in all the other media it's looked at like a set piece like they're mm-hmm. like this is our set piece but this is the first book that really talks about like that that it's a home you know like comac and, and sai and wreath and zine and all them and, and, and ram all are like no that's our home we live there the people we love there are there and it has the emotional resonance of it was the first time i actually kind of cared about starlight beacon other yeah. than being a set piece because yeah. it was a home
0: yeah because i think daniel turned this into less of a set piece and more of a character of its own i know people always joke about films that are like oh yes new york is a character in my movie but like the starlight beacon actually genuinely feels like a character within this book because of the emotions it holds for the main cast and it also helps that like daniel's written the comics that also mm. plays mm-hmm. such a, a you know a heavy part in what we know about the starlight beacon and the people who do consider it their home
1: the one defense i have of this coming after the fallen star is that the fallen star, like I agree, Maggie, I'm right there with you. The longer I spend away from it, the more it hurts in a not good way. Um, And I like that this came after because this, like hope said, did resolve a lot of my issues with the fallen star and a lot of that sort of emotional stuff that I think didn't follow through. So I like that, that the final star wasn't the final note in this wave. Like, I think that would have been a lot harder. Like, if this had kicked it off, I'd be like, yes, we're starting so strong. And then, and then that, and then the fallen star. So that's the one, the one case I will make that said, yes, I I think that. that this, this built a better, a better sense of what the Starlight Beacon is as a, as a character in the story. I hope that made sense.
2: No, that makes sense. Yeah
1: my brain's if- a little scattered because of my technical difficulties but anyway
2: <laughs> I, I i think one of the things i like so much about this book too is and and this is something i've wanted for all of phase one like since the high republic started was it gave us some downtime which is something that is pretty much in all of daniel's works from the bake-off issue to like this where people just like got to sit and talk and hang out you know like there's a whole subplot of Sai telling Comac like their whole backstory and it's just them sitting and existing and I've wanted more of that because I, I think you mentioned it Arzu when last time we recorded together was like we still haven't had a scene of Elzar, Avar and Stalin together
1: and we're never getting
2: it yeah we're never gonna like, get it now other than like one wonky panel <laughs> with a
1: bearded 13 year old Stalin. <laughs>
2: I love it um and so like having those like those little scenes of just like can we talk about like wreath and ram just being like sweet non-toxic boys talking about their feelings very sweet so much sweetest boys ram is like the sweetest little boy and i love him so much and he's a precious baby and i love how just everyone loves him he's my like little neurodivergent boy i love him It's so funny because I didn't
0: initially like he wasn't one of the characters I initially like glommed onto in the first wave, or I guess the second wave. But with this wave and particularly this book, I felt like I connected a lot more with him because I felt like he had a much bigger part. Like, obviously, he had. He had a role in Race to Crash Point Tower, but I think he felt very isolated in that book. He didn't have as much of an opportunity to really interact and, like, form attachments with characters that we already loved. He was very much kind of like the odd man out. And now that we have him interacting with, like, Z and Lula and, like, all of these characters that we already loved so much in the comics, like, he instantly went up higher in my rankings, which I think is a testament to just how well Daniel does at presenting characters and then making you love them.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I feel that way too because he was always kind of like a footnote in like Lula's story and, mm-hmm. and the others and so having a chance to finally get a moment to shine on his own um, and not even and, and I also liked Wreath and all this like seeing Wreath's uh, journey is so good to me of just being this like bookish little like I don't want to go outside kid to like your, we should note that we're talking spoilers everybody oh they, they know this if they they know, know this okay okay just making sure because i
1: I also hope they've read the book because we did not summarize the plot we just jumped right in (laughs) (laughs) um to
2: to see him go from this like i don't want to go outside nerd boy to being knighted and just becoming this like a lot of it on his own too which which is a gripe that i will talk about later um and it's more of a gripe of the phase than the last couple books but like like seeing wreath go on this journey on his own um Practically uh, and just overcoming so much and being able to help Ram on his journey and take him under his wing and to be able to teach him as well, just to have Ram stuff him in a trunk. At the end. <laughs> um, it's just, I, I really have loved watching Wreath grow up into this amazing night. I love him though. I will <laughs> say, can I say though people, please don't post spoilers four days after the freaking book drops because I was spoiled about Wreath's knighted. Being oh, night so Four mad. days after the book dropped. Can we, like, not like, hold on to spoilers at least a little bit? Please?
1: Yeah, like, if, if you have a joke you want to tell, like, like, sit on it for a couple weeks. It's not going to go anywhere. It's fine. Everybody this, reads at a different pace.
2: This was a full so, screenshot yeah. from Wikipedia that said, Jedi Knight reads Silas. Oh, dear. In a photo and a tweet on Twitter. And I was so mad. I was so mad. <sighs> yeah.
1: One... When- One thing I want to say, like, because we were talking about Ram kind of taking off as a character is I did not expect Zine to be around nearly as long as she was. I did not expect her to be so like to be as involved as she was. I thought this was like a single arc thing, like with her and Crix. And then it's like, okay, they're gone. Now let's do another thing in the adventure comics. And I enjoy how long they've stuck around because there are like a 100 characters in this or so many characters and I didn't have it in me comics-wise to kind of get to know somebody every arc. I thought that was going to be exhausting. And I'm glad that they did not go that route because I feel like we've all talked about this at some point. But having this many people in the High Republic kind of makes it hard for everybody to get the time that they deserve.
2: A hundred percent. That's my Comac gripe, to be perfectly honest.
1: Okay, so why don't we, why don't we just jump right into that then? Into yeah. into Comac as a character and, and how you how you felt about that.
2: Um, I, I, you know, I will say, like, I do have fan fiction goggles on because I love him. And he's one of my favorite characters. But I, because there's so many characters, and he's only been in the YA books, He's outside of Claudia, which really took time to balance the, the stories of the teenagers and the adults. Comac's been pretty much sidelined and away from Wreath. For the last few books, because he separated for wreath for the majority of Out of the Shadows, which I didn't mind as much because it's Vernestra's book, so it's okay if they're like not prominent in Vernestra's book. But like he's on the cover with wreath, and we don't really see him and wreath together as master and Padawan. They have a couple scenes at the beginning of Out of the Shadows, and then they're together at the beginning of this book, and then he get, he knights wreath at the end, and I really just don't have a concept of their relationship at all. And so, like, I I, re- I, I kind of wish there was more, like, bake-off issues or, like, adventures annual issues where it's just letting characters just kind of slow down and, like, be together. Mm-hmm. And I hope we get more Wreath and stuff in the future because, uh, and, and some of this is just, like, well, I, I just need to accept what we get instead of what I want, which are two different things. And I, I want more because I love these characters and stuff like that. And if this is what we're getting, this is the story to tell, then I need to just how I feel about that, if this is the story. But it just felt like we have all this payoff, but not enough buildup. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. I almost wonder, though, if the separation of Wreath and Comac was intentional because of the way their story ends, because he just kind of knights him and then takes off into the night in an extremely Which- dramatic fashion. I, he's such a drama game. I like, love him. Which,
2: which that is an ending. I can see Komat get to. And I understand that, how he got there. But I, I just, I don't feel like there's, there feels like there's like, we, we have A through F in Into the Dark. And this gave us like X, Y, and Z. But I don't feel like we have the middle alphabet there, you know?
1: Yeah. I get that. I get that. I guess like, well, I guess like th- there is that that difference of, like, how invested we are. And, like, I like Komak as a character, but, like, obviously not as much as you do. So mm-hmm. there is a different investment level, but I'm almost wondering if... Like, yeah, I just come down on his absence being the crucial part of Reese's story. It's, like, the fact that we don't see much of him around leading us to something he's probably not as present as, like, a different master in Padawan. Do you, like, you use Loden and Bell a lot as an example. Like, as much as Loden was present for Belle mm-hmm. prior to his passing
2: and if that's comex story then that just means i need to adjust to that being his story even if i don't like him but i guess we're
1: not going to find out for a few years anyway (sighs) No, but we will maggie what are your thoughts on this dynamic do you have any
0: i mean it worked for me i think they were a duo that i expected not to get as much focus just because of the way it had already been built up and it, it felt like it worked for me um it worked better than how i feel Bell got shafted in a lot of ways with having not really been given the opportunity to have an arc with his master because how the first book was set up and then like yet again he's kind of in a, a bad situation too uh so I think this worked a little bit more naturally for me uh but I do see, like I,
2: I do see the complaints with it but I, I feel that way too with Bell and Dera because in both Rising Storm and Fallen Star they are separated and there's this thing where, like, I mean, we could argue that Psy has been with Ram more than they've been with Lula. We've yet to see, we still have yet to see Psy and Lula have a one-on-one other than the one chapter in this book where they met. Um, right. and, and so I, I do, I just, I guess if the problem is I want more because I love it, that's a good problem to have. yeah. But I I feel like, you know, some of this is like fan fiction land. Like, yeah, I will happily write the story of Sai as a smuggler. Like, I am there for that. But then there's other things that I feel like with so many characters, I don't feel like they're all getting properly developed because there are so many characters. Mm -hmm. Like, some like Keeve Keeve and Skira, I got them. I got them. They're fine. But then there's others, like, I just feel are just so underdeveloped, which sucks because I love them. And we're probably not going to touch in- some of these ever again. And some of these might not be touched again for another few years. But I'm yeah. I'm I'm happy if the problem is I love it and I want more. Like, that's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah. And, like, we're not critiquing because we dislike. Like, we wouldn't be here if we didn't like The High Republic. So, so yeah, I feel like... Nothing is perfect. No, nothing's perfect. But I... F- oh, I just feel like with every phase focusing like so much on a disaster i think what inevitably winds up happening is it's just like okay we have to put these kids in peril but for them to be in peril like the first thing you do with any kid in peril is you separate them from the adult so then inevitably we like we wind up having the kids constantly separated from their adults which is fine for like a peril situation
2: but then we don't get very much of that dynamic so and and sometimes like a pet peeve of mine because I I consume so much YA media for, like, when I review animation and stuff like that. And the mentor figure is, like, a really important figure. Like, I I think I've used this example before of, like, who is Zuko without Iroh, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just, I'm not the most on board in these YA of stuff. And that's why I love Into the Dark so much, because it's so well-balanced and they're constant. And I think that's why I keep going back to that, because comac was invested in wreath he cared about his thoughts he was impressed with how wreath would reason and work through problems um and he was it felt like he was really invested with wreath and then he was wreath's master and then he just feels like he checked out and i know they're in a war and it changes things so it's it's just i'm not sure i'm not sure how i i don't feel like i follow along but i'm also very invested in comac vitus (laughs) I was, this might be a bad example, but like as somebody that teaches, I'm
1: like I could be very impressed with one of my students, but if I had to adopt that student, the 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 level of impressed would not sustain. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd be like, cool, you're so smart. Look how brilliant this kid is, and then suddenly they're my responsibility twenty four seven, and I'm like, I nope, checked out. Like I I yeah. maybe not checked out for the record. I don't think I would be a checked out parent, but. My relationship to them would change if I was suddenly responsible for that kid twenty four seven.
2: So I will say, the thing I will I, I did like about Colmac being away from Wreath is I they he got to be with Sai, they got a whole speeder bike ride which like sent me flying and this I is loved your ship. it. That's my sh- that's my ship. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were together and they have breakfast together and they have this like long romantic story. Like oh, the speeder bike ride was my favorite. Where. It was just so good. And like they're telling Comac their mysterious backstory. And there's just two paragraphs that like Daniel wrote that just sent me on like a fan fiction frenzy of like this will set off a, a hundred fanfics, which was size many random jobs. And I just I was like coffee shop AUs and smuggler AUs, like I can feel them all coming. And like I love I loved everything can't come sigh in this book. Like this was their book this was the book i was waiting for ever since they showed up in like adventures number three and they have always been like on the cusp of being like this breakout character and this was the book like and, and the bake-off primed it and then like this like just set them free And it was so good i loved psy in
1: this book so not to reduce Canton Sai to a single point of their plot but one thing i noticed about this book that really stood out to me as somebody who does not ever get this out of star wars is we had not one, but three love stories in Midnight Horizon. And this not a, a single one of them. Too. Yeah. And not a single one ended in tragedy.
2: I know. Oh, it was so good. We had four sapphics, two gay men, and a non-binary Jedi. We had seven gays in this book, and it was so good. And it sent me, and I loved it. Seven. Yeah. Four sapphics, two gay men in a non-binary
1: oh so i'm just thinking about the relationships i'm like there were six but okay no we're counting comac anyway yes my bad
2: this is a drama
1: game maggie you're my you're my romance friend thoughts yes yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I, i i just genuinely love that the high republic has been like an unexpected source of jedi romance uh it brings me great joy Um, As somebody who has always believed that the Jedi definitely uh, have feelings, they just, you know, don't form attachments with those feelings. Uh, I I love it. I think Daniel does a tremendous, tremendous job uh, with romance uh, for a young adult audience.
1: I agree. I also, I know this isn't Midnight Horizon, but I also know we've all read Trail of Shadows. So he's also got a little something going on there with Sian. and Sian? Sian? I don't know how to pronounce it. And Emmerich. Yes. I'm here Mm -hmm. for. I love them so much.
0: Their little handholds, their little touches, their hug. I just
1: (sighs) It's, he does the young adult well, and he does the like older adult well. Both of which I think are like older adults. They're like what in their 30s? Like, both are such underserved age groups in terms of having romance done well and like three queer romances in Midnight Horizon and not a single one of them ended in the kind of trauma that I think is all too easy for these things to fall in, which I appreciated, mm-hmm. which I was afraid of. And I don't know why, but I,
2: I, I wrote about it. it on the waffles. I flat out said, I'm so scared of the barrier gaze trope. Like I flat out said it.
1: And not a single one was buried. Yes! Daniel! <laughs> Alrighty, righty, so... Other highlights of the book? Um,
2: I loved Crash and her team. The, I, I will say this felt like like a nice appetizer for Crash and her team. Like I would love like a spin-off or something. Because while I liked them all, they all kind of blended together. Except for Smeemar, which is like the one that like weirdly stood out in my brain. Because um, I think it's just because she is the worm, like the underground, always the in the worm. tunnels that would just like pop up out of nowhere and then hide again. But like I really loved that team dynamic and... I, I would adore like a little mini series to kind of get to know them all because I thought they were all interesting. They all just sort of meshed together as one though. So I would love to have time to like spend with each of them because Crash went on a really cool journey too. And maybe it's just because she's like a disaster and I, I'm a disaster. I mean, I, I constantly joke with Arzu that I'm actually two raccoons in a trench coat in my real life. <laughs> so like, I really I really felt for like Crash and her relationship with Svivno was her name? Sveno? Um so yeah, that would <laughs> and I, I just there was just so many little things wrapped up in all this that I just did not I never thought I would see Ram and Wreath dress up as death assassins with <laughs> <those> no talks.
0: Totally. <laughs> or
2: have or have Zine be like a pop star for a whole 12 hours. Like there's so many like little gems that are just peppered in this But I just I I, I think. Out of all the higher public books, this is the one that I burst out laughing the most reading. Mm-hmm. I was constantly laughing in this book.
1: One thing the pop star thing makes me think of is like, you know, Star Wars is quote unquote a long time ago and we all know that. But it's also it's, it's a long time ago and we know that. But we so rarely get to spend time in like urban environments that have things like costume parties and pop stars. And, like, you know, a social media system where Crash can make Zine famous in 12 hours. Like, that never happens in Star Wars. It's always, like, backwoods rebel bases in the middle of nowhere. And, like, it's like Daniel remembered that this is sci-fi. And this is not shade to anybody else. I get that we're work, mostly anybody else. I think you all know who I'm shading. But, like, like, I don't know. It's not a shade to the other writers. It's just he had an urban environment and he
2: used it. Like, he used
1: Corellia to its fullest.
2: And, and that's what I love, because, like, Coruscant's my favorite planet, because I love the cityscape of it, and to, like, be set in a city. And and it feels like a city, you know? Like, you like I, I forgot who it was, but one of them was like, yeah, I was, like, a womp wrap, like, three blocks down. That's where I grew up. And, like, it felt like a city. And that was one of my... I, I loved the location, because I... It, and, and the message behind it, too, like, the difference between, like, the outer rim and the core and how they're, like, the Night Hill are not our problem. So, but, yeah, I absolutely agree with that.
0: Maggie, you
2: were Yeah, it was Maggie's it? thought.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, it reminded me of a DCOM movie. Which one? I like, any of them with, like, people oh, okay. becoming overnight pop star sensations. Like, <laughs> the Hillary Duff movie, I mean, Lizzie McGuire. Like, oh it has that God. same, it has the same vibe. It's very much, like on brand for like teen disney jumping off of
1: that i would go a step further to agree and be like because all of those teen movies will separate the teens from the adults and the adults will be doing their own thing think like doing the same thing the kids are doing but in a more legitimate way and it all converges at a party which i think is this all converges in a meeting though like before the party it doesn't actually converge at the party but yeah, but, still, but same it's the
0: same It's the same principle. The like same I hadn't thought
1: of that, but oh, this is I kind of love Channel that.
0: Movie. That and, and it's kind of funny because like all stories of a similar genre have the same beats and it it follows mm-hmm. the, all of the exact same beats, which I just love. <laughs>
1: that had not occurred to me, but I absolutely love I mean love this and there's comparison. like there's
0: even like the teen romance that's like very soft and very sweet and there's like and it's the almost dorky like Boy, and, boy <laughs> and it's like almost like you also have, like, the the couple that's getting, like, split up. And so they, like, have to, like, talk over, like, the net, And, like, oh, it's, it's yeah.
2: this, it's, it, like, Disney it's, like, Channel movie. <laughs> it's, like, you broke
0: up. What is this lemonade like, mouth? I don't know what that is. Because, <laughs> like, you know, you have Keeve is, is off, separated from, and it's, like, somebody's going away for summer like a vacation, oh this and our is over. Oh and then, Camp like they Rock. get to become, they get to become a pop star. It's Camp <laughs> Rock then... Space.
1: Hang on. So Zine is Lizzie McGuire, and Lula is Gordo. That's <laughs> what I'm getting from this? Okay. Oh my god. I love this.
2: I love this. Oh my.
0: This... Thank you. Yes, this, you're this episode... not
2: wrong, Maggie. <laughs> i know
0: i'm not wrong (laughs) that was like all i could think of when i was reading this i was like i love this this is so not star wars but it's also so very star wars and i just love it oh my
1: god that's that's like something you're right it's not star wars at all because you know they mentioned Rec punk i think a couple times in Mm -hmm. light of the jedi but otherwise we don't really talk about like music anybody's listening to and i understand music other than jizz music but listen (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like somebody trolling, and I know that's a thing. But we don't ever talk about this kind of stuff, like teen romance or pop music or any of that kind of stuff. And we get it all covered in this, which yeah, I absolutely adore. And that's that's it. This is the the decom finale to end our to end our series.
2: (laughs) I think that's why I liked it so much because like I I love slice of life in my Star Wars. I mean, that's why I, I. that's why I wrote a chapter of a concert in like my fan fiction on this Cause I love, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I love slice of life in my star Wars and just seeing how these like little things. Cause yeah, like I, I love this. This is my jam. Like in so much of this book is just like so many things. Like I personally love in a galaxy far, far away that we so rarely get, like we'll get like little glimpses here and there in other things but like never so much in one sitting all right
1: so i want to talk about one thing that was of great interest to me before the book started and wound up not meeting my expectations at all that's not to say i didn't love it but it's definitely not what i thought it was going to be and that's the nile masquerade because based on name alone i had got it into my head that the nile were having a party and I was very excited at this concept because I thought like Martian Rowe is going to be at a masquerade and this made me very happy. And that's obviously not what happened because instead it's just a bunch of rich people pretending to be Nile, which sounds very um, Chrissy Teigen throwing a Handmaid's Tale party or sorry, a squid game party. But anyway, that was the vibe I got from it. Somebody but threw a Handmaid's Tale party. I can't somebody threw who it him. Was. Well, One of the Kardashians, maybe. I thought it was a Kardashian. Oh, same thing. Same family. Yeah. Yeah, but that was the vibe I got from it. So I wondered what y'all's thoughts were on the Nile Masquerade. Did you have expectations like mine?
0: Yeah, Uh, all of the art, all of the like stuff leading up to it felt much different than what we ended up getting. And I was like, oh, a little disappointed. Just a tiny bit. (laughs) Just just a little bit. I also for some reason like stupidly thought that was supposed to be part of like, fallen star because it felt like a much more adult thing and then it wasn't and then like it was in this and then I was like oh and then I was like okay I guess that's fine that's enough I, slices I
1: think if it had been in the fallen star it probably would have been a little more like what we thought it was going to be yeah like just yeah. not even the fallen star but like in an adult setting
2: yeah yeah. so I forgot it was happening it was a very fun reveal because I forgot
1: We'll <laughs> oh, well good <laughs>
2: So, like, I guess, if, I guess I would be, like, a person who was just going into the book cold. It, it was a, one of those reveals of just, like, oh, no. Every, not only are all the really crappy rich people being extra crappy, um, but, like, everything just got way worse. And I, I really did feel that moment of, like, Reith and Ram standing there just in complete dread of just being, like, oh, no. <laughs> so, what, what, what is her name? Um, Sabata? I don't remember. Who the, are we talking about? The The evil bad guy of this book, like the, the red lady who orchestrated yes. everything. Her name's Sabato. I, I
1: can picture her, but I I think her name's Spotted.
2: yeah. yeah, She's evil.
1: Well, yeah, she's Nile. There, there the, are a lot.
2: I would argue she might be more evil than Martian, who just to me is like a himbo who happens to be chaotic enough to get stuff done in the most luck-filled way possible, but she's like calculating and murderous. Like, when she goes and orchestrates like the student rebellion and frames the guy in a bombing and just lures him in and murders him. Oh, ho. Oh. Like she's... it was so satisfying watching her die finally after all the stuff that she did with Crix too. Like she is she's up there with Lorna being like a very capable evil villain that I don't feel for Martian.
1: <laughs> no, Martian is um as a himbo. He's an evil He's himbo. something special. I don't yeah. He's he's something else. Um, Yeah, I think I think that's what's interesting about the Nile is like in general is how personal the pain they dole out feels. It's not just like, you know, that they're going to kill X, Y, Z to get to the point. It's like we're going to lure them in and befriend them and make them trust us on a one on one basis. It's a lot more nefarious than i think most other villains in star wars because they kind of operate on a grander almost impersonal scheme whereas like the nile are like very about infiltrating at the low levels and like getting to know people and then you stab everybody in the back
2: and yeah because like with palpatine it feels like he's just moving chess pieces on a board but with the nile it feels like they're playing on the fears of regular people you know, the reason she was able to get in is because she infiltrated a student rebellion, which was a really real issue and playing on the fears that that Crash even talked about of like, yeah, we are having issues between the rich and the poor. We're having class structure issues. And Sabata played on these like class structures to kind of pit them against each other. To where it's like the rich are, the 1% are the ones that are like sliding into the Nile. And even then, they're getting splintered at the Masquerade Ball. And I, th- I think that's really interesting because they're playing on very real world fears and attacking the Republic in almost a systemic way. Versus mm-hmm. Palpatine, who's just like moving chess pieces around and being like, hur, 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 I'm in my bath.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. It's a very different kind of Ellen for which I am grateful because that's
0: enough Palpatine. At least in my opinion.
1: <sighs> All right. Um, I kind of blew this through my notes. This is actually the
0: origin story for Palpatine, if you didn't know. He's a Nile? <laughs> He's at Bath? Yeah. So they actually have like a, a cloning facility somewhere. And actually, like the original Palpatine is actually a clone. I don't know if you know this. <sighs> this it's really, really important. Um, it's actually Martian's father. Uh, okay. You know what? I'm jumping ship to Star Trek. So it's, it's, it's Ray Rowe, actually. Somehow. I would be less pissed off. I
1: would be, I would be honestly, if they come out with a reveal that Martian Rowe is her ancestor, I would somehow be less pissed off. But that's me being a hypocrite. Um, (laughs) You know
0: what? It's okay. (laughs) It's
1: okay. I can be a hypocrite. I'm allowed that was also um, just
0: my way to work ben solo into this conversation somehow like thank you we can't actually go an episode of space waffles without
1: without ben solo coming up
0: representation of ben solo
1: i mean listen I mean, it's the re- The Halcyon. Saying,
0: the halcyon. <laughs>
1: it's relevant we learned today that ray and ben oh, kylo it's not ben yet ray and kylo that are here on the halcyon which thank also you. appeared in the fallen in this and the fallen star So it is relevant that they are going to be there.
0: So if Martian ever goes on the Halcyon, then he will have also been on the same ship as Ben Solo. But not any of us because we are broke. Because we can't afford it.
1: I'm just wondering now if Martian stayed in the conception suite because we've also learned this week that Ben Solo was conceived on the Halcyon.
2: And Brad Whipple had the best tweet about it. (laughs) What did he say? I can't. We it can't might... repeat it here. You might have no, to edit yeah, it. Yeah, the, the,
1: the Galaxy's Edge. Yep, got it. Yep, yep. Oh, oh, yeah. Putting the edging <laughs> in Galaxy's Edge. Yep. So <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's this one super special suite on the Halcyon.
0: I was wondering what all, all the... of
1: the magic happens across
0: generations. It's definitely not the solo suite.
2: I was wondering what all the hullabaloo was about because I was just like, I I I had really violent food poisoning. So I just came back on Twitter t- like today after a week of it. And I was like, I'm missing stuff. What is happening? What's this about? when and edging and been so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so what an unfortunate sequence of words. <laughs> oh no, oh no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm blushing. Um, no, no. So I was okay. So I was wondering no, I what I okay. No, okay. I'm all cut up. with this is space waffles. Where if you're behind on news like me, and then you find it out. Because <laughs> I had no idea what everybody was talking. You got about. the Cliff
0: Notes version.
2: Yeah. Okay. I feel with a Raylo filter. <laughs> yeah, that works for me too. I love my Raylos.
1: All right. So other other highlights. Maggie highlighted the book. Anything you
0: want to mention? Uh, i just i'm so happy to see more of kiev like kiev has been like become one of my favorite characters Mm. i love that i kept telling people like you really need to read the comics because they're definitely going to make the jump i was like i do not believe them because there was that whole comment when the high republic first came out that like oh you can read just the comics and you'll get a full story and you can read just the adult books and you'll get a full story and you can read just the middle school books and you'll get a full story which i knew was hogwash Mm -hmm. um which was like why I was like, I have to get back into reading comics. And I think, you know, it's really nice for those of us who have been reading the comics and who have been keeping up with it to finally get a lot of these characters to have like a monumental, I want to say screen time, you know, it's not obviously on the screen, though it could be someday. Um, But to get their presence in a much more monumental fashion just feels like a victory. because I feel like comics are like the, the, I don't know, redheaded stepchild of the literature world. Like people don't view them as like a very valid form of media that like provides something to a much larger franchise or context. And I think that it just is really solidifying how important it is for visual media along with written materials and how that they can all be very symbiotic with each other and create a much stronger story. And I think that was just a lot of word vomit there. I don't know. No, No, but that was
2: good. (laughs) I used to manage a comic book store and I absolutely agree. Like I used to have people come in and be like, do I really need to read the Star Wars comics? I was like, well, not for all of them, but like now if someone came into my store, I'd be like, Yeah, you need to read the High Republic comics. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I totally agree because like I I love the High Republic Adventures and it's my favorite, but there's also some of those like I didn't feel like I actually really got Lula until Crash Point Tower. Like that was the first time i'm like okay i see what they've yeah. been trying to do like it felt so surface level and so like crash point towers the first time i was like i was in her head constantly for hundreds of pages and i feel that way with ram i mean we mentioned that with ram earlier too where having this boy who really finally got a ton of focus on himself um and and really keen to know him and like him and his little bomb barks like his horror when he had to almost lost the little baby bomb bark to being eaten like that was, that was such a tragic moment. He like saved it and then she he gets the bomb bracks bra- bomb bomb barks. I forgot, um the cute mouse things um like that. I, I love the book format and um I, I that's where I kind of hope like going into the later waves they sort of streamline it a, a little bit to where like you have a main story because. I, I I understand the point of the transmedia of it all, but, like, some of it doesn't make sense to me. Like, if there's middle grade books, do you really want middle schoolers reading something like Rising Storm? And I don't get that. Um, like, those kind of jumps at all. Because I just, I don't. And some of them don't work well for me. And I love the comics, and I love the artwork, and I love to see them all and and comex glorious hair in the comics i love it so much but i don't know i feel like the books just give us so much more to salivate over like zine's already a great character but she finally like stepped into her own in this book like the scene with her confronting cricks is i i don't think that would have translated the same way in comics
1: but it happened in the comics
2: anyway didn't it no where, where, like where she's in the room one, unless it's in the comic that hasn't come out yet
1: no it's, well it, it
2: might be but where she's there,
1: like, there's the confrontation scene like where they catch where, him in the comics where, comic, where, where, where I don't she know interrogates
2: him like Ooh, the one on one interrogation um, that's at the time of this recording not in the comics as I look at Maggie's face I <laughs> um, guess we'll
1: find out t- by the time this comes out we'll find out tomorrow
2: Yeah. So um, I just don't know if that would have translated so well of being inside Zine's head and like feeling her emotions and her connection to Lula in the next room and what Lula's support means to her in that moment. Like all that just translates so much better to me in book than in comic form.
1: I will say for the comics for this, like Maggie had said, when they're like, oh, you don't have to read everything. My intention initially had not been to read the comics until they were out in trade form. And then Maggie texted me, I think, five issues in. And she's like, if you're not reading this, you should be. And I was like, okay. And then I very quickly, like, caught up on the comics. And I've been reading them month to month since. But, yeah, I'm, like, having a hard time imagining in certain scenarios people getting the full picture. Like, yeah, if you're just reading the adult books, it's the same people throughout. Like, you're probably okay. But if you're a middle schooler reading – if you're reading A Test of Courage, you get Vernestra. And then the next time Vernestra pops up is not in the next middle grade. It's a young adult. And then she goes back to the middle grade. So if you're a middle schooler, you miss the middle part of Vernestra's story if you're not at a slightly higher reading level. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So there's some characters like Vernestra who make that age group jump. That's fine for us as adults because we're reading all over. And like especially here, we're all readers. We don't discriminate like with how old a target audience is. We're going to read it anyway if we're interested. But... I wonder how it works for intended age groups, like like a kid just reading the middle grade. I'm wondering like what they are getting out of this. Gosh, I imagine I, they're getting something out of it. These wouldn't be New York Times New York Times bestsellers otherwise. But
2: well, some of these also is adults buying these. Like I don't that's know. also true. Yeah, like I because I. I have a nephew who loves Star Wars that's in middle school and I actually thought about like getting him maybe like a test of courage and stuff but then it occurred to me I was like is he able to go anywhere else in the series until he's older
1: use him as a use him as like a guinea pig and just give him the middle grade and see what he gets out of it
0: so I have friends that have given their kids just the middle grade and unfortunately they are not engaged they're like, yeah. oh, this is fun because they don't know anything else about these characters. And right. unfortunately, because they are like in the middle of a story, in the middle of an arc, you you miss a lot of the connective tissue. And it's not exactly how, and maybe it's just because of the nature of how the project has transformed and, you know, grown as they have created more books, but like they very much set out to make it. So that you have three different age groups being able to get the same story and they're not. They're very different. They might be connected and you might see the other side of scenes and other books and that doesn't necessarily lessen it, but they are very much a very interconnected story that middle schoolers and specifically I I know it's the middle middle school books and the young adult books to a lesser extent but I think it's the middle school books that are the ones that feel the most isolated and that people can't get a really good feel because there's like obviously stuff missing yeah like that that connection that you need um so it is it is interesting I wish we could have a breakdown of like who's actually reading them you're obviously not going to be able to have that but I feel like it is our age group and older
2: that is reading these books i, I mean I, that's how i feel about crash point tower like can crash point tower even function without rising storm no no not at all and i almost love wish it i'd
1: read it first like before rising storm just to yeah. just to see
2: well yet
0: again i wish that i had read that before rising storm and i wish i had read midnight horizon before fallen star it's very odd the way that they're Mm -hmm. releasing these and then i've i've heard the like justina's upcoming book which i'm only halfway through oh mission to disaster yeah like that also feels like it, it doesn't quite fit into the release order
1: it doesn't because it's set first
2: exactly it's like didn't it get pushed back though like it was supposed to be released with fallen star it, w- it was supposed to, and then,
1: you know, like there's there's pipeline issues all over the place. So it got yeah, us yeah. back to the first, but then the digital copies on like Audible and whatever the ebook distributors are, those went out for like pre-orders, yeah. I
0: think. Mm-hmm.
1: So some people got it right away if they had pre-ordered it, like the digital versions on the day.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they're yeah. still up
1: for sale or not. They but... are still up
0: for sale, okay. but I, I feel like it's, even with delays and stuff, it still should have been the first one. Like it mm-hmm. should have been the one that was getting the most focus because it feels like the natural beginning and then this feels like the second and then it's very interesting the same issue obviously as we just alluded to with the rising storm and race to crash point tower I don't know it's also a test of courage was that way test of courage Mm -hmm. felt like it came before the light of the Jedi and like I
1: I don't (laughs) want to I'm not going to spoil mission to disaster because it's not that's not this episode but I will say that there's one point in the book where a conversation happens that having read this book and that conversation, parts of The Fallen Star, by extension, become less jarring. Like, there was something very jarring in The Fallen Star. Like, I, I liked it as a plot point, but it was still, like, quite jarring to watch it happen. But if I'd read Mission to Disaster first, it would have been less jarring. What was which it? Is, what was, it was jarring?
2: There is a... Well, I, I'm asking about the, what the jarring thing in Fallen Star is. Oh,
1: well, the jarring thing in the Fallen Star is finding out that Gira Starros is sleeping with Marshan Rowe. Okay. Like, and, and that she's the spy for the Republic. I guess that was the important part. But um, finding out this plot point came out of nowhere, at least for, for me. Like, I didn't think it had been alluded to at any point prior, except that she's kind of sus and out of the shadows. But, like, she's a politician. They're all sus. But it, it is somewhat hinted at in Mission to Disaster. So it would have been, it would have been like, oh, I see where that came from if I would read Mission to Disaster first. This is
2: where I would love a super cut of like all of them together, like happening, like in, in proper timeline, chronological order, like happening at the same time. Because can you imagine like reading this and like Midnight Horizon and Fallen Star, like going back and forth at, as they're happening simultaneously, and just yeah, bouncing back like, and forth. Like, but mi- Mission
1: to Disaster is over before either of the other two start.
2: Yeah, but like even in the case of like Rising Storm and Crash Point Tower, because I would argue that Lula Ram and Zine are the heroes of Valo because mm-hmm. they got the communication tower back up.
1: Um, look, Stellan literally has nothing else going for him right now, so don't take that from.
2: <laughs> well, no, but the, the, they couldn't communicate. Seriously. I couldn't communicate until the the kids got the tower, and like once they were able to, then Stellan was able to be the hero. There then we got There you go, honey. I got you. Um, but um, you know, reading um, Crash Point Tower Supercut, like with Rising Storm, would be awesome because it would actually—I feel like there would be a much better synergy. Yeah. So, I don't know, but I I've, I talked about this. Like, this is my my Kingdom Hearts problem. I've talked about multiple times before on Space Waffles. Like, it's and yeah. Yeah, I I do think that is a flaw of this project. I think
1: a similar problem, and I don't know how y'all feel about this, is like, mm, all the names are running together in my head. Midnight Horizon is like the third young adult book. So in theory, Midnight Horizon just wraps up Into the Dark and Out of the Shadows. But I have found with all of the young adults throughout that they almost feel like a slightly, not lower stake, but a slightly different in tone continuation of the story in the adult novels like huge status quo changes happen in the young adult novels so if you're only reading the adult novels you're not getting any of this like if you're only reading the adult books you get to the fallen star with martian being on the ship with his assistant thaya and his girlfriend Jirasaros. and mari's not there but the last time you saw mari like she was fine if you're only reading the adult books oh yeah mari dies in a young adult book I was shocked that they killed Mari in a young adult book. Yeah, like, this is one of those things when, like, I have friends yeah. telling me, yeah, I'm just reading the adult books. I'm like, you're going to miss some huge stuff, which shouldn't be the case because you don't have to read everything. But I don't know. Do you all also see this as a problem?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of wish um, there's, there's another franchise that I really love called Rampa and it has it's a huge franchise it has like video games anime manga light novels audiobooks drama plays like it, it's a huge m- multimedia franchise but the main story is streamlined to just the two games and the one anime to finish the story and then everything else fills in just if if you want to know more about characters or background or lore it's all just lore building and i kind of wish the hypepunk would do that where the main story is streamlined and if you want a deeper dive everything else is there
1: that's what it loosely feels like to me, but it feels like the main story is streamlined in the books, like all of them, not in mm-hmm. one particular age group, but if you take all the books as one series, then it feels streamlined and the comics are kind of filling in the, the extra, even though the comics have a whole plot on their own, like Minus Avar's story is only in the, yeah, yeah, like the drangier stuff is mostly in the comics, Avar is mostly in the comics, but avar despite being the poster girl for the high republic
2: does not feel like a main character at least to me yeah i mean i just i i would like to see going into future phases a little bit more streamlining because i don't think the read everything is working because some of it just doesn't function well and if if you're staying within your age groups then the story is breaking apart and it, it sort of feels like they they know that the people who are buying this are us kind of fans but they're hoping they might can snag a few other like different fans here and there in their age groups. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And I think this is a good jumping off point if you're curious about reading Star Wars and you don't want to get into the into the like main movie timeline period and you just want like something new. I think this is a great way to do it. But but yeah, I think it's a lot of relying on a pre existing relationship kind of thing.
2: I will say the audiobook is great.
1: Which one? For Midnight War. Horizon.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're just talking about Midnight Horizon. Okay, I'm like, <laughs> is this a
1: general sense, or do I have to go into Mark Thompson rant again? Okay, no, no Mark Thompson <laughs> rant. Um,
2: Todd, Todd Haberkorn was really good. Todd Haverkorn is a really good voice actor. Nice, yeah. All right, I will. Oh, yeah. I will say though, mm-hmm. Todd Haberkorn killed Comax Aragorn voice from Into the Dark because Dan Britner gave. Comek this like gravitas sounds like fucking freaking Strider from <laughs> Lord of the Rings. And he just sounds like a dude in this book, which was very sad for me that Comek's poor Aragorn voice was gone in this audio
1: It's because he's undercover. And he's got a, he can't use his sexy Aragorn voice. That's true.
2: Well, yeah. If, if that's he uses, what it is. If he uses sexy Aragorn voice, like, I would just fall for him all over again. And then they'll make out on the speeder bike and then nothing gets done and all the night he'll because they're too busy, like, banging in, like, the side. I, I to- love this book, though, by the way. I know we went on a little negative Nelly tour there for a second, but I really do love this book. It felt like a warm hug.
1: Honestly, it did feel... That's something I want to talk about is, like, the, the ending. For all that the ending is extremely... Oh, yeah. Can we talk about Yoda? Other suite. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Yoda showing up right at the end to explain what one thing I want to talk about, which is the jump to the past. But we can get to that in a second. So Yoda's been missing for the bulk of this phase, which honestly I was a little relieved about. Um Same. Not because I dislike Yoda actively. I just thought he was going to pull a lot of focus. So I'm glad he wasn't around to do that. And then he just shows up at the end. Deus Ex Gremlin. Which is fine.
2: Gremlin X awesome, Machina?
1: Though. Either way.
2: It was awesome. That final battle was so good, Daniel.
1: Agreed. I'm not one for the fight scenes, but I did actually like when Yoda showed up.
2: Well, that's the thing. I'm not usually one for fight scenes either because I, and maybe I'm used to like Zahn and his battle math, but like oh. this this felt like so... Like backs against a wall constantly. Like when you have moments where like Sai and Komek are like, We're going to die because we're exhausted and horribly outnumbered. Like, it it had the emotion that I miss in Zahn Battlemath.
1: Because it's just, Zahn's stuff is so very pieces on a strategy board.
2: I have not finished that Ascendancy novel yet. (laughs) It's so Uh, hard to get through.
1: I can't believe I finished that book before you. I genuinely can't. Yeah. But it's very pieces on a strategy board, which works for him. It's what he likes to do. I'm not here to knock his preferences, but... Like,
2: we have a whole Thrawn episode about that. Go look it up. Um, yeah. But like, the, Daniel makes it a lot easier to follow, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But very, very Yoda much. was just such that moment of like f- fresh breath air, like fresh breath air. Look at that. A breath of fresh air. Um, late. Because it really did have that, like, that hope of the Jedi, like, of what he represents and like what they've been missing, which is pretty much a heavy in all this. Mm
1: mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up hope because yeah. one thing I think this book did very well um, that the fallen star didn't because the fallen star I've said it before is absolutely relentless you do not get a single chance to breathe and then when it ends prior to Martian's l- dramatic little mohahaha ha, ha, I'm evil speech before that like it's exhausting when you get to that point you're tired you're devastated you just there is no reprieve Whereas this book still ends roughly where the fallen star does the, the starlight beacon is down, but it does end on a hopeful note because Yoda is here and he's like, okay, we have this problem. We are going to solve it. And granted there is that, which I actually kind of thought was funny. was him being like, ah, yes, to solve our future, we must go to the past. And I'm like, thank you Daniel, for <laughs> queuing us up for our 150 year in the past time jump. But I did think it ended on this, on this hopeful note. And I thought, trail of shadows for all that that also ended somewhat sadly
2: r.i.p torben buck um (laughs) (laughs) i'm so only torben buck can die in his underwear and still be a badass
1: okay trail of shadows was many things but among other things bless for giving us so many shirtless scenes i just did not see that coming in a comic miniseries but i'm not mad about it um Yes, I realize they're all hand-drawn. Whoever's listening to this, don't laugh at me. Um, But yeah, I do think it ended on a really hopeful note that makes it a better ending to the phase overall than The Fallen Star was because if you had ended on a note that devastatingly, we've seen that done in Star Wars before and it has not gone well. So so yeah, I now wonder. We know we're jumping back 150 years and I wondered what y'all's thoughts were on on this reverse time jump I guess not a
0: reverse time jump it's still a time jump but
1: thought. I'm not a
0: happy camper so
2: I, I have mixed feelings too um though it's interesting I actually felt like Fallen Star wasn't as dour as you make it I felt that way after Rising Storm um I but I that's why I did really appreciate about Midnight Horizon for giving us a much calmer ending of like acceptance and hope because none of these really ended in a hopeful way <laughs> except for light of the jedi and into the dark and everything else has just been doom and gloom since then um but i still feel like fallen Star is a little bit more hopeful you're just sad over Stellan. um i'm i'm not that why well, i am sad over Stellan, but <laughs> it
1: it's like so many people died and it ended with oh well the ship's down and then the, it stops. Like they don't have. There's
0: there's so much about Fallen Star that ends without hope.
1: Like it's I, all I disagree. So hopeless. That's fair. That's fair. You're allowed. You're
2: allowed. I, I mean, because there there's those moments, those final moments with Elzar and Avar that I feel are like a really powerful moment of acceptance and moving forward, and like Bell's like not wanting to fall into the. Dogma that made him give up on Loden. That makes him like be hopeful towards burry being alive. Like there's little glimpses there that I, I thought that were very powerful moments at the end, which I didn't feel at the Rising Storm, which is they find Loden's husk and he crumbles into dust and the book ends abruptly. I feel like that was way more hopeless than these moments of Elazar and Avar making a. a an oath to keep moving forward to live out stone's wishes and being the best versions of themselves
1: i mean yes but i'm not saying it's okay for the rising storm because i know the rising storm has set you but the rising storm is the middle of the story so if the middle of the story yeah. ends with everything being god-awful that's okay there's more coming but we're not i mean it's not okay but it's like you know there's more coming, so you know that that's not the final word on it. But where I think it hurts is that I'm not coming back to any of these people for at least two years, if not longer.
2: Oh, yeah. I don't
0: – I'm not – So that's resolution. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm annoyed with. Um, It didn't feel like a good place of closure for I think, that big of a time jump.
1: I think if we weren't jumping back 150 years, I wouldn't be this upset about it. I'd be like, yeah, we'll be back in October. I can, I can deal with it but this is why
0: I hate trilogies (laughs) in general because the the third never fills what it's like it never checks all the boxes there's always loose ends especially when you know that something isn't going to be immediately followed up like if we knew that we were getting like 10 years in the future I'd be like okay then we'll see all these characters probably again they'll interact with the plot the fact that we're going back in time mm-hmm. and probably mm-hmm. for the next two years when there's still so much storytelling left with these characters there is no closure at least not in any sort of satisfying way it feels very rushed in the final act of the fallen star and there's just there's so many dangling ends and like that's a mark of like a trilogy that doesn't quite hit the mark because I don't know. I'm going to use Star Trek as a comparison. Like Star Trek Prodigy just had like its mid-season finale for the first season. The way that it ended had closure, definitive closure. Even though we know that there is more to come, and it sets up very small things. But none of it, like if the world ended tomorrow and we never got another episode of the series, I would be happy with how it ended. And it's only ten episodes into a twenty episode season. But they knew that they needed to have a really close point on the arc. And I think for Fallen Star, that's what's missing is the fact that there's no real closure. There's so many loose ends. And then it's really just unsatisfying to know that you're not getting more immediately. You have to wait. And like, you know, we could start World War III this week. <laughs> um, we might not be thinking about Star Wars books. And like, it would be nice if we had like a little bit more closure, a little bit more idea of where things are going. Even with, but, I mean, even with this one, I, I feel like as much as it gives us a lot of, you know, it, it makes us feel better than The Fallen Star. There's still so much left. We're, we're left with so many of these characters still in a, a in perilous point. Yeah, a perilous point in their arc. They're, such a, they're either at a low point in their arc or a high point at their arc. And it just feels very, I don't know, abruptly halted. Like the momentum there's so much momentum like if we're like almost to the really good stuff and we just stop and i think that's like where i'm frustrated as a reader and it's just honestly like the strangest structure for books i've ever seen in a book rollout it's just so strange and i love it like i am this is not a knock i just think it's a very interesting way especially for readers who are not us who are not on twitter are not on facebook who are not on youtube who are not actively seeking out explainer videos on youtube to explain what the heck is happening with the timeline of the High republic it's it's very hard i mean and i say this as somebody who was like a big expanded universe fan like i know that it is extremely hard for people to get into that because they didn't jump in when it was rolling out they didn't have people to guide them through it and be like, no, 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 those, the X-Wing books aren't connected to the Jedi order books. Well, you know, these, these books over here, the new Republic books, like they have some of that kind of like interconnects, but well, no, then the Thrawn books are kind of an heir to the empire, you know, all of this. It's hard. And I think that modern audiences are not as willing to do that kind of legwork to keep a running tally of, okay, so this book is set during this year and these people are in this book. And then, oh, okay, so then this jumps back 150 years and like there's no actual connectivity, even though it's all the higher. It's very convoluted and it's very hard. And I wish that they would have more stuff in the books to help you, like a guide or like actually just telling you like here's the next plan like well, here's the loose plan it might change just cuz it's on paper doesn't
2: mean it's forever but get your brain ready for the next 4 years. Yeah. I mean yeah. Yeah. I I I agree. I mean that's that's pretty much a lot of my gripes with the higher public cuz so it's very difficult to follow. It's so um, hard. And I, you know, when I, when I, I I did write, um, when I wrote my Kingdom Hearts, uh, article, I posted it in a High Republic Facebook group and people were pretty much just like, yeah, I don't know how to get people into these books. Mm -hmm. Um, like, yeah, like it's, it's difficult, um, to follow along. And I'm, I'm, I have mixed feelings about the jump back too, because I do agree with you about the momentum as well. I I do feel like we are at a very high point and it's weird that we're not going to be continuing forward, um. Uh, it's-
0: it's, it, it, when you think about it like a video game like Kingdom of Hearts it's such a weird decision like you don't usually get to a point in a story and then be like okay well now you're going to play two years of a video game like before all of these characters yeah. that we just got you like <laughs> you're going to get off in
2: Paris Terra of all people yeah and- I mean and, and speaking of like Kingdom Hearts that was how I felt with Kingdom Hearts too when yeah. I started the game and I'm like who is Roxas like I know. who are <laughs> these?" Kinda- they you actually kind of need to like... know Chain of Memories to understand Kingdom Hearts 2. I too. hate Chain of Memories. I <laughs> hate that so much.
0: But it is the same situation where, like, there's probably people who hate the comic books and they're not going to read the comic books. And then you're missing stuff when you start the books because there's, like, all of this backstory and history and, like, even the romance doesn't make sense without the comic books. And then, like, you get to this point where like you're finally settled and you like these characters and you're and they're like just kidding here's roxas and his friends they're not
2: actually any of the characters that you know and love from that (laughs) video game you just played (laughs) And then you, like, and then you get to like Kingdom Hearts three, and if you don't know who Aqua Ventus and Terra are, you're lost. You're so <laughs> lost. Yeah, you're so you, lost. If you don't know Birth by Sleep, you're gone. And, and I, I do like, like that's the part. Like I do absolutely agree with you guys on the the part that I respectfully disagree on is is the the closure part because I feel like Fallen Star was like the bones. And then everything else, like Midnight Horizon, these final comics, um, like all these like little loose ends, like I feel like these are tying up the loose ends to making it to making this wave a satisfying thing for me, at least that that was the part I was disagreeing on, because I I felt like Fallen Star was the bones and then these last other things are filling in the rest of the person. Um, and, that's,
0: and maybe that's where like the disconnect is for me because like I try to look at them like even though they're part of one giant phase I still am of the mind where like you can read each of these books and, and they're in isolation and so like the not. closure. <laughs> I know and they're not and I think that's where like for me where I don't see the closure is because there's no actual closure within the pages of the individual books. You have to have supplemental material to get the closure and then even then it's like I don't know for me it doesn't quite fit so I think that's where like. I think that's where our disagreement is about viewing. Oh, yeah, the the big the big story in the
2: sky. <laughs> and and uh, you make up a really good point about momentum because everything is such a high point right now. And like Marcion just had like his coming out party of just like it is I Martian, oh, ah, ah, I'm a himbo, um, no. and and he and now we're gonna go back on druid years like. Yeah, I like Porter as much as the next person, but like I want to know what happens going forward. And my my fear is we're going to lose people going backwards. Um, you know, the people yeah. who are invested in these characters. I hope I love the the Phase Two characters as much. When I saw that the um the um oh what are they Cusco the hats the Embo's M- 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 race from Clone Wars Cusco Cusco kuzo yeah like that like we're gonna have a story with that kuzo jedi from the high pop republic adventures like she never grabbed me and i was like oh we are gonna spend time with her i don't know her who's she like i i cared it long enough for her to be around court that was the extent of my caring for her like do
0: i want to the, the one that's the same
2: like, species as constable zuvio yeah oh okay. it, it's not imbo oh yeah the one, yeah, that, yeah. The one hanging out Is with it, maz kanada it's what the, the hat yeah. yeah, the Constable Zuvio. The one hat, who has yeah.
1: the fancy little coffee set.
2: Yeah, like, she's yes. fine, but, like, I don't want to leave far for two years. <laughs> like, you know? So I, I do absolutely agree with you on the momentum. Moment it is a really weird story structure. <laughs> By the way, I loved Midnight Horizon because we're way off that
1: topic. <laughs> 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 it, this it like, great. <laughs> I had a feeling this was going to happen because of, of the people of my acquaintance, High Republic-wise, the three of us are the ones who, like, read all, everything. everything so i had a feeling this was gonna happen because we're all we're all pretty caught up i mean
2: we're i the can nerds. talk more than nerds I, I will say something that this book has done so well is okay. the amount of diversity that it's given us um from queer rep to like bipoc rep to I, I will say i'm a little little bummed at daniel about this because somebody had asked very specifically like is Ram neurodivergent. And he was like, I I don't want to answer that because I want it to be left up to interpretation. I'm like, that's a really big piece of rep though that you could just like put a pin on for somebody, you know, to have a neurodiverse Jedi confirmed. Um, but like, they've done so much, and there and there's a reason that like why the Blackout Eclipse, you know, the Star Wars Eclipse game is causing such a hullabaloo because this means so much to so many people, and it's weird to be leaving Phase One. To know that it's only been a year because kind of it feels like the higher public has always been around for me like it feels longer than a year that i've you know i i, I can't speak for youtube but i feel like i've been with these people longer than a year and they've become so important to me and i think i'm, I'm gonna miss them until we come back to them you know i'm gonna miss them so much i very I- emphatically told maggie
1: in january i can't believe it's been two years of that republic
0: i mean it's technically been two years because project luminous was announced in february of 2020 because i started covering it right when the pandemic happened because we got all of the character reveals and we got all the book titles and then for me i got the books in december of 2020 so okay so it's been in our lives for
1: for two Yeah, years. it's
0: been in our lives for two years, so that's that's where the the feeling comes from. And we had all the panels, and we had yeah, all the information, right. and we had the live streams and all that fun stuff. So they the authors have been with us for two years, and technically, Cavan was dropping stuff in the Dooku book and something else had it dropped as well. So like it it's been
2: there. The Ben Solo that. comic they were on Elfrana um, and yeah,
0: set sure and set up and the matching station.
2: Yep, they set were Oh, Claudia dropped some
1: maxing stuff, too, in Bloodline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been around for a while.
2: So, where would you guys rank Midnight Horizon for you guys? On the overall? Yeah, just in general.
1: I don't have a number, but I'd put it near near the top. Just because because of, like, the points I mentioned before, like, untragic romance, urban environments. Like, it feels more contemporary than the other ones. And, like, it does end on that hopeful note that I think... um, star wars doesn't oddly for a franchise that revolves so much around hope i don't think there's enough of it so i it's not my favorite Higher republic book but i put it near the top
2: what about you may
0: yeah i'd rank it among like the top five um i think rising storms my number one still test of courage um out of the shadows and then probably
2: this so yeah probably top four yeah. I think A Test of Courage is grossly underrated. <laughs> like it oh, it's is so, good. It's so, it's so, so good. good. it's so good. It's so good. It's definitely
0: good. my it was my number 1 until The Rising Storm happened. And then mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you're getting bumped down one notch. You're number 2.
2: Yeah. This I didn't a- like Star loved, Wars Middle Grade just, until that one.
0: i love Justina Ireland. I think that the way she writes characters is just so brilliant. Mhm.
2: I that one took me by surprise because I was not expecting in the middle of a pandemic a cathartic book about grief. <laughs> like yeah, I was truly. Not it. Um yeah, this one's up there for me. I need to revisit it because I I do think some of my own personal expectations got in the way a little bit. Like I wanted more from Comek. Um, so I need to like re-go th- reread parts of it again, just like with a new filter and kind of push my expectations to the side because um but it's definitely up there for me i love the first half of this book i love it and I, and I i really like most of the second half too um the only part that really stuck with me was the ending was what, what kind of got me a little bit um which i'm still mixed on um Tomac oh, so leaving not on him leaving but just a, a lot of the structure of just him, him and wreath like that oh. that is a huge sticking point for me but i think it's so much because i personally have wanted to see him more and the very few fanfics with comex don't treat him very kindly at all and mm-hmm. and i think some of it is i don't really know who comec is after into the dark you know um i i just have no because he's only been in out of the shadows but he was pretty much a warm body and really didn't do anything in out of the shadows and he's with Sai the whole time which i love everything with him and inside don't get me wrong like that's probably one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, but yeah. Comac is a big sticking point for me in this book. Um, that I don't really know this character and I don't know when I'm seeing him again. But I do love it. I love everything else in this book, minus the Comac stuff, which one scene made be incredibly uncomfortable, what I was not okay with. Um and No, like you, like, you know how it is here. Like, we critique things here, and that does
1: not mean we actively dislike them. That does not mean we're being unnecessarily no. negative. Like, this
2: is I, how we process stuff. I laughed through this book so much. It was almost too colloquial because there were some points where I was like, am I reading Star Wars? Like, I didn't pick up on some of the colloquialisms. It took me a little time um, to kind of get a feel for Daniel in writing, but I really loved it. It felt very good. We get wizard in this. Wizard. (laughs) Hey, I love it. Um, But yeah, I I loved this book so much. And. Yeah. Final
1: thoughts. And they can be anything you want. Like in general. In general. Or like one last point we didn't bring up that is just burning. And you really need to say something.
0: More Martian row. More Martian row. No. (laughs) No. Yes, yeah. screw that guy. Oh dear. I mean, happily, I'll sign up. Yeah, you guys can have him. Where do we,
1: where do we, Gira needs to, to get now. out of the way. <sighs> okay. Other than more Martian Row, which I agree, I did not get Martian Row in a tux at a masquerade in canon, but maybe I'll get it elsewhere. um Hope, final thoughts. I loved it. I had fun. <laughs> nothing pressing you want to bring up?
2: Um nothing that won't start another 20 minute conversation, no. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I, I I I really am appreciative of how much Daniel has i I remember here here's here's a good thing. I remember when we were talking about the last throne book, like it was you me and Hannah when we were talking about Ascendancy, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how like I like timothy's on, but I don't feel like he's trying anything new or pushing the envelope in any way. Um, I feel like Daniel does that. Like he's. Doesn't pushing... push the envelope? Or no, he does. 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 Okay. Like he's a very progressive writer. He's pushing for a lot of things that we've never seen in stars before. I don't think we even began to talk enough about quantum Psy and the importance of what they represent in this book and their journey and having that much focus on a non-binary Jedi. Like um, there's. I, I could do an entire episode on Cantum Psy in this book because it was such an important piece of work that I know meant so much to so many people. Um, and just to see their journey and what they represent. And especially like it was enlightening when I realized who Daniel based Cantum on, which was very eye opening for me. Who did he base Cantum uh, A Jen from Samurai Shampoo. Which, like, the moment it connected, I was like, that's so perfect for Psy. And the kind of Jedi that Psy is and what they represent and how they view the Force and work through things and how they are with Comac versus the Padawans, with Buck, like, their entire relationship with Buck. Like, this was the Psy book I was waiting for. And I could sing their gospel all day because this was such a good book. And I don't think... I, I... I know what it means to me and I know what it means to other people and how important this was. And Daniel was great and really pushing a lot of things in Star Wars that we've never seen before. And I loved it. I, like I love, I love the kind of Jedi that Sai is.
1: I think, I think that is a good note to end on, on a happy note considering. Well, what, what was your final thought? You asked us. I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know. I think I expressed sort of how I felt about it, like ending on that hopeful hopeful note. And that's what I liked most about it, was that it did give me a sense of peace after, because y'all had to kind of, well, yeah, y'all had to kind of pick me up off the floor after The Fallen Star. So the fact that that didn't happen with this one was deeply appreciated, that it did sort of have that. It was almost like a book on how to process emotions that the fallen star had provoked in me which I don't think was the intention but it was definitely the outcome which I think was a good thing because I think if this hadn't come out when it did and if I hadn't read this when I did because I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy so I read it early um, if I had been left to sit with the fallen star from its release to the release of this book I think I would have soured a lot quicker on it than i then i wound up doing and i didn't totally sour on it it's not a bad book but just the way it left me feeling was kind of icky and i think midnight horizon came like at exactly the right time to make me not feel icky about the project as a whole and it's like okay it's one icky bit in an otherwise satisfying project and that's my final thought on midnight horizon I love Fallen Stars. Totally took the punch (laughs) out of your quantum sigh thing by me using the word icky about five times. But here we are.
2: (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm very excited to one day write the story of Psy as a smuggler and a waiter and a mechanic because those two paragraphs that Daniel gave us in a circus, they were in a circus. That's so good. There's so. Were they
1: in the circus, or was their boyfriend in a circus?
2: Uh, the boyfriend left, and so I was like, "Well, I'll just stay here for a little bit." And like, and they. There's even a line that says, "A circus gig is great for a force user." right like there's, yes okay. there's actually that line and I'm just like this is fan fiction gold I can't wait to re-. I just imagine I can see the fic now Arzu like Sai gets pulled over by a vector and it's Stellan and Stellan's like Sai what are you doing and Sai's just like arrest me Jedi <laughs> and just like camping it up and I can't wait so
1: uh which is uh, made uh, even better by the fact that they're all about 19 years old
2: I know I love it oh uh, give extra it me dramatic. Uh, um, 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 um fan fiction gold I can't wait can't wait to so, write it in the
1: meantime, before we get Hope's Fan Fiction, we're going to wrap this up. So Maggie, where can everybody find you online?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Maggie of the Town. I have a link tree in my bio to all of my other various pursuits.
2: And Hope. Pretty much the same. Um, I write for the Geeky Waffle and uh, with Arzu. And you can find me at Hope Mullinex, where I also have a link tree with all my other stuff. But you mainly find me hanging out on the Geeky Waffle with my... Dear Arzu here.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin, and that's where you get all your Space Waffles updates as well. You can also find us collectively as a network at Geeky underscore Waffle on Twitter. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And we are at thegeekywaffle.com, and that's where you can find all of our reviews, recaps, uh, links to all of our podcasts, including Maggie's very own Starbucks lovers. This is true. So, So... Until next time, thank you all so much for listening. Star Wars is finally not tragic romance, and may the waffles be with you.